This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, May 6th, and I am thrilled to be hosting our uh, program today, recognizing public servants, their successes and their needs. And have three fantastic guests from our friends at the Partnership for Public Service uh, to talk about uh, everything that's going on here during Public Service Recognition Week, some of the great work that they are doing uh, at the partnership and also seeing out there across the government, certainly in the federal level, and some of the themes that we're seeing out there with how Americans view and interact with their government and where the rubber really meets the road. Um, So again, I'm super excited to be hosting our PSRW show here today on Fed Talk, and I'm going to introduce our guests and then hand the hand things over to them so that we can get into the meat of our conversation. Um, first, uh, we have uh, Lauren dejean Schulman. She's the Vice President of Research, Evaluation, and Modernizing Government from the Partnership. Thanks for being here with us. It's awesome to be with you, Jason, particularly this week with such a great time to celebrate public servants. Absolutely. Uh, next, we also have Rachel Klein-Kircher. She's the, a director at the Partnership. And uh, Rachel, great to meet you and great to have you here on Fed Talk. Hi, thanks, Jason. It's fun to be on the other side of the microphone. Absolutely. And uh, rounding out our program here today is uh, Jordan LaPierre. Jordan is a senior communications manager at the Partnership for Public Service. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure that folks in this town have probably interacted with the partnership or seen your work, but but just to level set before we dive into our conversation today, uh, can you all tell us just a little bit about the organization? Who are you? What are you about? What are you up to? Uh, and I'll, I'll uh, Lauren, maybe maybe I'll throw this one to you. Yeah. Uh, so the Partnership for Public Service has been around for just over two decades. As, um, as I like to put it, like this is the club for good government nerds. This is the cheerleader for the public servant and the federal government, the people that are trying to develop the ideas, the tools, the training, and the capabilities to help government be as effective as it can for the American people. We do that in all kinds of ways, but I'll mention a few big ones. One, we recognize the incredible contributions of public servants, and we'll talk more about that later, but it's one of our big focus areas. Two, we do a lot around public service leadership. What is it that is different about public service leadership than other leadership, and how can we help train and grow and recruit those leaders? Three, we support presidential transitions every four years from administration to administration to help uh, bring about a peaceful transition of power and be the learning system for that. Or we do a tremendous amount of research and program building to help bring new ideas into our federal bureaucracy. Democracies are learning institutions, and we're an organization that helps bring new ideas around government effectiveness to the federal government. And lastly, we do a lot of advocacy on the Hill to help that help Congress and help the federal government think about what new programs, authorities, and laws that we need in order to help bring government to the next level. There's so many other things that we do, but those are the big ones. And like I said, at the end of the day, we're the nerdy club for good government that wants to be the cheerleaders for the folks behind the scenes. Rachel and Jordan, did I miss anything? I would love to put the plug for inspiring the next generation to serve, which goes back to why the partnership was founded in our beginnings uh, by Samuel J. Heyman. We are doing a lot of great work to help demystify the hiring process, um, a lot of story sharing about how cool government is how innovative, which seems to shock a lot of people. And we do a lot of work to connect universities and federal agencies and that next generation of public servants so that they can find one another and we can really strengthen that talent pool in government. Yeah, the other thing that I would add is, you know, and me working on the communications team at the partnership, I bring this 
perspective, we want to help the public understand what government does on their behalf and the opportunities that exist for them in government as well. There are a ton of misconceptions out there about the role of government in everyday life, uh, what government does, what a public servant does, what a federal employee does. We want to help educate people um, in the public about that so that one, they understand those issues better. And two, they might see an opportunity for themselves to get involved in public service and to get involved in a career in the government um, and find uh, a rewarding way to give back to the nation uh, through that effort. Awesome. I love the uh, the team response and uh, you all do so much incredible work across your program areas over there at the partnership. And, and it's uh, incredible that it's been 20 years. And, and it's really important, I think, for the government to have these advocates externally from the government that are shining a light and connecting the dots for the public. Uh, sometimes it's really uh, easy in Washington to make high-level promises to the American people, and they don't understand all the machinery that helps deliver those benefits, those values, those services to them. And at the end of the day, that's often through the hard work of, of civil servants, uh, working for the federal government, working at other levels of government, and working with partners who deliver those um, those critical services and benefits to, to the American people and out there across the globe. And uh, it's a hard story to tell uh, when, when we operate in um, um, sound bites and, and tweets and whatnot uh, these days. Um, and, and one thing that, that you all didn't mention, but I wanted to, to bring up here because I think this is new or at least new to me is, is, is the podcast that you all have, um, Profiles in Public Service. Tell me a little bit more about that. We're always thrilled to have other uh, podcast folks here on Fed Talk. Jordan, this was your baby. Do you want to tell the origin story? Sure, happy to. So, Jason, we are getting ready to launch our third season of the podcast here at the partnership. The first season was something called Transition Lab, and we did that around the 2020 election to dive into the challenges that exist around uh, conducting presidential transitions. For season two, we shifted to this profiles of public service model, um, and we're doing that again for season three. What we want to do with this show is to really highlight, as Lauren was saying earlier, Public service leadership, what distinguishes it from other kinds of leadership, the opportunity for public servants at all levels to demonstrate leadership and be leaders within their positions, um, and really highlight those incredible stories um, that public servants have uh, about their successes, their challenges, uh, the learned lessons of their long careers that they would impart on younger people who are entering into their, uh, their own careers. So we really try to spotlight um, interesting people in public service who have a compelling story to tell, whether that's, um, you know, working within a defined period of time to solve one discrete problem or over the course of a career um, to be a leader on a particular issue. Um, it's been really exciting what we've been able to do so far in our second season. We had about a dozen really excellent episodes and great conversations ranging from uh, ranging from around um COVID vaccines and uh, medical responses to um, how we run presidential transitions to uh, what are some of the other ones that I should be mentioning? Oh, storm um, surge. Yes. Storm surge. Do <laughs> storm surge and how the National Weather Service helps to inform people about the dangers of severe weather um, and the work that's done uh, to evacuate people and inform people uh, in the in the path of uh, challenging weather systems. What I love about all these people is they're incredible storytellers and have such incredible passion for the American public that they're serving, but also all of their colleagues. Every single one of them is a we and us person. They have, you know, a history of many, many incredible, talented public servants that they're touting along the way. Uh, and their, their ability to connect with the audience is just amazing. So when Lauren asked um, Jordan to give the origin story, um, I tie that to the whole superhero theme. Uh, I'm definitely a Marvel nerd. And all of these interviews that Lauren and I do, just these these superhero stories emerge. And it's with your everyday hero who's not walking into a situation thinking that they're doing anything great. They all say, I did what needed to be done. I was there in the moment. There was a crisis, there was an opportunity, I hadn't planned it, and this opportunity came my way. I really love that, and I want to kind of put a, a pin in that and then come back to it after our first break here. 
And to talk about those everyday heroes, to talk about public service leadership, something you all mentioned a couple times here at the top of the show, and then to dive in uh, to our conversation on Public Service Recognition Week a bit more after our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We are talking all things Public Service Recognition Week with our friends from the Partnership for Public Service. Uh, and before the break, we were talking about an observation from from Rachel, the director, and someone who works on on the Partnerships podcast um, profiles in public service, talking about everyday heroes and and this this uh, notion of public service leadership and that there's something unique about that. I just wanted to, to take a pause there and to talk about uh, public service leadership and, and why you all think that that is such an important thing before we talk, uh, dive into our conversation some more about public service recognition week and why it's so important to shine a spotlight on, on uh, the workforce and the public workforce. So Jason, I'm actually going to start with that point you closed on why it's so important to shine a spotlight because one of the distinguishing factors of public service leadership is so often these leaders go in to their office from day one knowing they will not get recognition for the work that they do, whether it be designing systems to rescue people during hurricanes or helping do the science behind some of our vaccines or designing the campaigns to improve testing amongst underserved community for COVID-19. Almost all of this work is unknown behind the scenes and we only see the outcomes to the degree that we see anything at all because government does not do a great job in talking about its accomplishments so i think that's one of the big things is like people are going in with a service mindset but also a recognition that very few if any will be able to know their names or recognize the contributions where they start from the moment that they start in federal service to the end of their career Another piece that I see, I talked about the storytellers. And to me, it's an, an element of their, their stewardship of their community. They see the broader context that they're operating in of the overall needs of citizens, the challenges that are faced by the federal government and responding to those, the context in which every individual is operating in so that their individual needs are going to be different and differently addressed. Being able to see that picture and being able to marry those demands with the various tools of government, and many of them still need to be modernized, is a, a context, is a, the ability to see context in a way that I think many Americans can't. And I think that lends to their ability to do that storytelling and see the broader picture of the incredible good that government does on a day-to-day -day basis. Those are the two of the big things that are striking to me that are different. But um, Rachel, we had that incredible interview with Bob McDonald and Andrew on this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. So Jason, you probably know that the partnership developed a public service leadership model. And when you think about leaders, there's a lot that leaders across all industries have in common, want to lead toward results, lead teams, lead people. When you're a public servant in that leadership role, you are a steward, as Lauren said, of the public trust. You have this commitment to public good. You actually take an oath of office. So for us, that really stands out. And when you look at something like the Federal, Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, what rises to the top? People are serving a mission, and that means something to them, and that matters. You know, it's different from just the bottom line of a private sector business. And that really does stand out with all the stories in our podcast, all of our Service to America medal winners and finalists. They're there because they love what they're doing and they love the mission. And I, yeah, and I and again, to that, I'll bring that back through into Public Service Recognition Week and and why um, this week was critical. And um, you know, uh, Jerry Shaw, the founder of our uh, firm, and and. Uh, mm -hmm. An original co-host of this podcast many, many years ago was was there back in the 80s uh, amidst government uh, uh, bashing times and, and when folks were, were were not feeling so good about the government and, and uh, worked with others across the board to 
to bring this together and you know those those unique and unheralded roles that people have within the system um, are really critical to to delivering for for the public um, and I love that that you're out there telling those stories. Um, I also know that the partnership has been very involved uh, broadly with Public Service Recognition Week and has a few of your own kind of unique activities going on. But, but just for our audience, um, you know, maybe it'd be helpful to hear you guys talk about uh, this recognition time, some of the things and activities going on. Jordan, I know your team has done a great job trying to curate all of these assets and resources that are out there um, so that folks can take advantage of some of those, those wonderful things that are being done and put out there. Yeah. So one of the things that's amazing about public service recognition week is that it is so multi-layered. There are so many organizations and agencies and groups that are involved in promoting this message of celebrating public service and public servants during this week. Um, this is something we did not create at the partnership. Um, it's been around since 1985. It's an annual opportunity for us to step back and say, wow, the more than 2 million public servants that work in the federal government and the million more that work in the state and local governments um, really do a tremendous service for all of us, really better all of our lives. And we want to help people understand how that works. So we're involved in a number of different efforts during this week um, to celebrate and to really elevate those stories. Um, as you mentioned, a ton of agencies um, involved. So we had this year 75 uh, federal agencies sign on to a resolution, um, a letter um, celebrating uh, Public Service Recognition Week, commending their workforces uh, for their efforts um, and recognizing this moment as a time to step back and give thanks for everything that those folks uh, do. So really excited about the response from the administration that we got there. Um, we had resolutions introduced in both the House and the Senate, recognizing public servants at all levels and celebrating their contributions. So really thrilled about that. And hundreds of agencies across the country signing up to be supporting uh, organizations for this year's Public Service Recognition Week. That's something we started last year, and we've been really thrilled by the outpouring of response we've gotten at all levels um, from organizations that want to lend their names uh, to be part of this campaign. So we've got a ton of resources that are available to help people celebrate this in the way that makes sense to them. Um, on our website, psrw.org, you can find all kinds of toolkits. Those are for agencies at the local, state, and federal levels. We have toolkits for Capitol Hill to help lawmakers and their staffs uh, mark this moment. And we're really excited to see so many of them um, tweeting their support uh, yesterday and today. Um, and then for educators as well, because as Rachel mentioned, you know, we are really trying to reach young people who are considering what they want to do with their lives. And this is an opportunity for them to see that public service is a really noble and impactful calling. And here's what it means. And, and we want to arm educators with the, the resources necessary to be able to share that message um, with their students. Um, and then there's a, a ton of activities happening as well. Um, we had an event yesterday with the director of OMB, Jolanda Young, really excited to hear about her own public service story and what drew her uh, to this career and why she spent a couple of decades uh, working in government, um, and then to talk with three of our SAMEs finalists about their experiences, their challenges, um, and why you know, we focus on trust. And Lauren can talk a little bit more about the research that we've done around trust in government. And as we said, there are a lot of misconceptions um, in the public about what government does. And there is, frankly, a lack of trust among the public for government and what can we do to change that. So these folks were able to share how did they consider the element of public trust um, in their roles in the federal government and what did they do on a day-to-day -day basis to try to build a better more trusting relationship with the public that they were serving really excited about that um and then lastly and i'll stop here uh we also announced our service to america medals finalists this week which is a great moment to again highlight this year we have 30 finalists 30 incredible stories of people who have made uh, a remarkable impact on everything from evacuating Afghans uh, after we withdrew from Kabul uh, to distributing uh, vaccines and getting vaccines in arms uh, for COVID to um, fighting transnational pollution crime to combating climate change um, to supporting uh, our international affairs efforts around the world, uh, whether that's uh, through um, support that we give to foreign governments or through our own policymaking. So really, really excited uh, to be able to honor these folks and tell some of those great stories that make the role of a government employee come to life. Yeah, it's such a a, a, a high profile and important 
program. I think because your your storytelling and and I think one of the things that's unique uh, in my kind of ten years in this space that the partnership does is you're not just talking to the community about about these things, telling civil servants how great they are to other civil servants. You're really working with partners on the outside to try to carry that message more broadly to the American public, and that that involves enlisting Hollywood and, and, you know, big time media figures and folks like that who, who report these things, who, who, who live their lives uh, benefiting from, from the work of a civil servant whose name they might never know. And I'm just curious, like, you know, how, how does that factor into your strategy? How important do you think that is to what's going on here during PSRW and moving the needle on these things to some of those bigger challenges like trust in government um, and other things that, that you all are also focused on? So, Jason, so it's great. Oh, go ahead, to, uh, Jordan. You can do it. Sure. So I think it's a great question, Jason. And in my mind, there are sort of two angles here. We always say at the partnership, we want to build a culture of recognition within the federal government. And that requires both building recognition within the government, as we say, but also educating the public. And that's what I think SAMEs does so effectively. And we are able to translate these stories in a way that connects with people, point them to issues that they care about, topics that are important that touch on their everyday lives and showcase for them people who spend their lives working on those issues, whether that is um, preventing young people from getting access to tobacco products, uh, to fighting to reduce the use of really harmful chemicals and products that damage the environment uh, and pollute our waterways, Um, things that really impact everybody on a day-to-day basis. And so when we're able to tell those stories, it helps to, uh, you know, build a lot of goodwill and a lot of confidence among the federal employee workforce to see that their work is impactful and it does matter to people. And then to see the the response that we get from agency leaders, from cabinet leaders, uh, and the way that they support their workforces is really gratifying too. And I think it does a lot to, again, um, build that morale within federal agencies for uh, the work that they're doing. On top of that, Jordan, what it's so complementary to the research that we did over the last year around trust in government, where we found something that people have been saying for a long time that like, yes, the American people, the American public has does not trust government very much and trust has been going down for the last several decades. However, when you start asking people about public servants, when you start asking them about agencies or individual services, or when you tell them the stories of individual public servants, their views are very different, much more positive. Not universally beloved, not all agencies are the same, not all public servants all the same. But the what we found in our research was that particularly when you started telling the individual stories of like Sammy's winners, Service to America Medal winners, and say that like, these are people you find in government, views change substantially amongst the American public. They are unaware in so many ways about the contributions of so many of the public servants that we talk about in SAMIs, that we talk about in Profiles in Public Service on our podcast. And with those stories, their views of government get better, their interest in learning more about government improves, and their willingness to think of government as a trusted entity changes. So this is, without us even recognizing it, we were serving our broader strategy of building up that stronger relationship with the American public. No, I lo- I really love that, Lauren, and thanks for connecting those dots. And I think we'll we'll dive into some more of that as we talk about the state of the public service mm-hmm. and some of your recent um, research work that you cited there. I think another interesting thing that's going on, and I wanted to flag for our listeners in the Washington D.C. area, is um, telling stories out at the Washington Nationals baseball game. This has been a a, a tradition for I think a few years now. And um, Federal Workforce Night will be at Nationals Park on May 11th. And uh, I've got a code here unless you all want to give it to our audience. But I think that's really special to partner with uh, with professional sports leagues, um, with just major public outings and, and shining a spotlight on on these folks even here in the federal city. And, and again, on, on May 11th, the Nationals are going to be hosting Federal Workforce Night to use the code KP. FED 22, you will get a uh, 25% off the ticket price. Again, that's KPFED 22 um, for uh, discounted tickets to Federal Workforce Night out at Nats Park. And I think that, that again, I think we've seen over the years other other league uh, teams across the league do similar things 
in their ballparks as well. And, and, and that's a, just a great local manifestation of this connection between um, civil servants and, and, a, and our broader community that they work in. I'm going to have to pause here to take our midpoint break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford & Roth, serving the federal community for 40 years. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches, judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back to Fed Talk. Uh, we are talking Public Service Recognition Week with Lauren, Rachel, and Jordan from the Partnership for Public Service. Uh, and we've been talking about PSRW here, some of the recognition activities that are going on out there. Uh, and I wanted to pivot our conversation here in the second part of our show uh, just to talk about what's the situation on the ground? What is the state of the public service? Um, you know, how healthy is the federal workforce? How are Americans feeling about their government? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we doing to uh, change that equation if, if, if it needs work? Uh, and I know that there's some recent research products that, that Lauren and your team there at the partnership have been responsible for. So how are things looking um, in the state of the public service? That's a great question. So let's give this a little bit of context to the last two years. I know all Americans have felt this, but for the federal government, we transitioned from a largely in-person workforce to one that, like many others, on a dime, had to go work remote, often without the the technology or the processes that help that. And in many cases, were quite successful in doing so. At the same time, they were charged with many of the missions that help the country respond to COVID-19, whether it be the science, the, the public health, the testing, and so on. They also were a large part of that economic uh, response action, whether it be the Small Business Administration working through uh, delivering relief to small businesses, uh, the child tax credit, and so much else that happened in the relief and recovery plan over the last couple of years. And then coming into this administration have likewise had one of the biggest investments in the federal government and federal spending in my lifetime via the infrastructure bill, taking on completely new missions, new opportunities, and new ways of thinking about how government should invest in the country. So in the last two years, had a ton of new, a ton of change, not on top of that change in administration. And what was interesting to me is over the last couple, we, we, uh, we issue something, we issue something. Uh-huh. OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, issues something called the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey. And last year in particular, I think the responses were higher than many had expected that federal employees were feeling well taken care of by their supervisors, engaged and motivated by their mission, and committed to the work that they do. This year, we saw some small but notable decreases in some spaces that I think are worth paying attention to, particularly as the federal government comes back to in-person. But that commitment, that resilience, that dedication to public servants, that still remains stubby. It remains steady. And, it, and it, uh, given all of that change that we've seen take place over the past couple of years and all of the potential for upheaval in that, it's amazing to me that we have a, a cadre of public servants who are able to continue that year after year with so many changes. I do think the big change that people that is worth paying attention to, again, as we come back into the office, as people are trying to think through navigating working with and among COVID-19, whether in person in a hybrid workforce or otherwise. It's a challenge that all workplaces are experiencing, but one that is particularly poignant in the federal workforce because so much of our work is dedicated to service the American people. And I think that we're experiencing some challenges in in that space as a result of turn that everyone's feeling, but it is going to be even harder for them to grapple with, given that the president said earlier this year, we're all going back in person. This is a, a core mission of the federal government to show it back in the office. Yeah, so much to say. You know, one of the things that 
I'm concerned about is that there's a reliance within the government on high levels of public ser service motivation among public servants to continue gritting through and working through all of this. Yeah. Um, and, and I say that I'm concerned about that because some of the systemic challenges, never having a budget on time, you mm -hmm. know, chronic pay, compression, uh, other issues like that, um, you know, Folks have options if, if, if they are talented professionals, and we certainly have plenty of them in the government. And, you know, is there a breaking point? Are you seeing anything in the research that shows that we're, we're pushing the government too close to the edge or asking too much of it? So something I'll be paying attention to, Jason, is the attrition numbers that we see uh, come out in the, the next upcoming release around the federal employee it's called FedScope, the Federal Employee Data Center that we get from OPM. And like how much those drop off after particular periods or rise in particular periods of the pandemic. Because to me, this, this is exactly that sort of point. We're seeing that with, quote unquote, the great resignation elsewhere where many people are leaving. I think we haven't experienced that as much in the federal government as we might have anticipated in the last several years, but it certainly has that potential, particularly given as you say, the, the circumstances around budgets not being put in on time um, until this year, not experiencing a significant pay raise that matched inflation for a while. Um, many of the challenges that they've experienced throughout the COVID-19, even as they've proven to be resilient, that employees do have those skills and do have the opportunity to look elsewhere. On the other side of that, though, something has been really heartening to me to see is how the Biden administration is talking about how the workforce in their president's management agenda vision. And you hear notably the talking points and the vision from that across many federal leaders, not just the ones in charge. The goal to make every federal job a good job. You hear that regularly. The specifics around how they want to improve employee engagement and measure it and care about it across the board, not just every once in a while, kind of at the lower levels, but something that is noted at the top, at top echelons of government. So I think the Biden administration is saying in all the right things and doing many of the right ones, but I hope that they're seeing this moment and the feedback they got from the FEVS as a burning platform for them to take this quite seriously. We can't rely on the, these talented federal civil servants. We can't take advantage of this. You have to assume that recruiting that next generation is critical and retaining this current amazing generation of talent who has done so much in the past couple of years is vital. No, I love that. And, you know, I think one of the campaigns that the administration has led during PSRW is something called Gov, hashtag GovPossible. Yeah. Um, and, and this is something that uh, GSA, OMB, OPM, kind of the center of government have put some common tools and resources out there. But I think it's another way that they, working with the broader community, um, have, have tried to shine a spotlight on those leaders who are doing those things, carrying initiatives forward. And, you know, Jordan, I know that you've been involved in some of those PSRW community planning efforts and, and curious about uh, anything else you might share on on some of those of possible tools and resources and how it fits into some of uh, these things we're talking about with Lauren. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll just again plug that if you want to get a hold of those tools and use them in your own ways, you can find all that toolkit for download on our website, psrw.org. Really excited to be part of that group that's promoting the Gov Possible campaign. And I think, uh, you know, it again, it shows the power of collaboration between government and uh, nonprofits and fellow travelers out here outside the government who love what the government does and want to make it work more effectively. And so we're really, really pleased to be able to demonstrate um, what is what can happen uh, when you get government and and agencies and organizations like ours working together. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Just as we had clearly a uh, a challenging presidential transition. And, and I know that trust in government really plays into, you know, whether taxpayers, Americans want to invest more, put more into uh, the government versus having those dollars go elsewhere. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious, you know, are those two separate tracks totally? How do those things come together in, in the story that, that's being told about uh, kind of making sure that the state of the public service is up to um, the tasks and demands being placed upon it? You know, Jason, this is such a great question. There is so much 
whether Americans realize it or not, there's so much that they are delegating or assigning to public servants and to federal leaders. Um, and one of the big one that you mentioned here is oversight and management of the peaceful transition of power. And it is something that we uh, hearken back to as uh, in American history, but also something that I think we should not presume is, is going to happen without a lot of work and investment. Um, we like the taxation investments, uh, the the American Rescue Plan, the infrastructure bill, the management of vaccines, um, oversight of our the chemicals in our water. Like these are all things that government does and no one else is going to do. It's not like somebody else is going to pick this up because it makes sense for them economically or philosophically. And that requires that requires trust that requires a tacit trust. What I think could be improved and needs to be improved is that explicit trust that not only do I trust you to do those things without me thinking about it, but I trust you to experiment. I trust you to go further. I trust you to consider the marginalized and those on the edge. And I, I trust you to sometimes take risks uh, in, in how we execute these things. And this is something where I think the Americans need to know their government better, not just as a big faceless gray building that's on Pennsylvania Avenue, but as individuals who are every day doing their absolute best and doing incredibly innovative, brilliant work on behalf of the American people. And that kind of trust, that kind of trust is only going to come with that personal relationship and not with us where the government just trust us kind of attitude that we too often see and hear kind of generically in Hollywood. I think if, you know, I don't know that we need to move to a system where Americans are treating their public servants like superheroes, like Marvel, like Marvel stars. But I do know that in movies, you so rarely see them treated that way. And wouldn't it be amazing if you turn on the television and you saw a State Department diplomat or Department of Commerce worker who was treated as though they were incredibly brilliant and a key contributor to American public safety all the time. Instead, we tend to see them more as either they're scandals or there's some sort of weird terror plot going on or something like that. It's an attitude shift that I would love to see at the top or echelons of government, how we talk about workers, but also how we see that in the entertainment industry and the news industry and elsewhere. It's gonna be a whole society effort to reshift this balance, but it doesn't require a lot of change in what government does. It does require a lot of change in how government and the American public have a relationship. And that takes work, just like any relationship. Yeah, facts. And, and we need people to facilitate that work. Organizations like the Partnership, others in civil society, uh, to, to translate um, those things. You know, uh, Rachel, I just wanted to bring you into this discussion. I'm just thinking of the guests that you've had on the Profiles in Public Service podcast. If there was an episode that you wanted a general American citizen to listen to, to inspire trust in their government, could you pick just one here on the fly, here on Fed Talk? Oh, I'm so afraid you were going to ask that. <laughs> Um, just one on the fly, Vicki Brom, who we spoke with, and she came on board as the new acting director of Wisconsin's Toma VA Medical Center, and she tackled such a whole host of issues between veterans care and employee morale all of the unseen infrastructure issues, all of the kinds of things that, that Lauren has mentioned that it takes somebody with expertise, not an elected official. Go ahead, Lauren, if you wanna build upon that. So Rachel, one of the re reasons I love that episode, I'm so glad you suggested that, is because it shows not only how incredible Vicky herself was, but it highlights a moment where like government was struggling. It was not performing at the level it needed to be. It was not serving veterans well. And Vicki was transparent about that, showed how it was necessary to turn that around and showed that it was possible for government to turn that around, that it's not a like control, out, delete, let's start over again moment. This is a moment where public servants do when they have that empower, when they're empowered, have the capacity to go in and say, this system is not right. It's not working for the American people and we can do this better. And I think that's something that's really missing sometimes is that acknowledgement that like, yeah, we do do things wrong sometimes in the federal government. And here's how we're going to do better for you. And here's how we have improved things and can show that. No, I um, thank you both. And I think that example is a great one because in recent years, issues at the VA have been used to kind of tar the government more broadly. Um, you know, several unique laws were passed by Congress that 
were unconstitutional parts of them um, that, that that were in reaction to incidents like at Toma. And, and at the end of the day, strong leadership, management, a focus on the problems and, and delivering service in the way that we would want to deliver to veterans, uh, that leader, uh, Vicky, helped turn that organization around. So, so thanks for flagging that episode for us. And again, I think that those stories that typically put in mind that the, the bad side of government, we have to tell that good side when we, we address those issues, turn things around, and that facility is functioning much more like we would want it to um, these days. Um, and I think that that's a great segue uh, before our last segment. We're going to be talking about inspiring public service, rebuilding uh, and modernizing the civil service and some of the great work that you all at the partnership are doing there. Uh, we have to pause here for our final break here on Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Looking for more ways to stay informed on federal news? Every Tuesday, the Fed Manager Newsletter delivers completely free, straightforward news to the federal community. The Fed Manager Newsletter features top news stories affecting the federal workforce, legislative updates impacting pay and benefits, understandable summaries of court decisions written by leading federal employment attorneys, and columns from across the federal community. Subscribe today at FedManager.com. Brought to you by the law firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Serving the federal community for 40 years. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We're entering the last segment of our show with Lauren, Rachel, and Jordan from the Partnership for Public Service. Uh, and in this last segment, we're going to be looking forward a bit more past this PSRW and, and looking at, at some of the activities uh, that the partnership is, is leading and some of the conversations going on around inspiring public service this generation and the next generation uh, and modernizing the government for the future so that it can continue meeting uh, the demands and needs uh, of the public uh, and the requirements set by policymakers. Uh, and I think that there's, there's an overarching uh, document that, that kind of lays out the, the vision here, the roadmap for renewing our federal government. Lauren, can you uh, fill us in a little bit about that? Absolutely. So one of the key things that needs to be done to inspire the next generation to serve in the federal government is to create the context for their success and be able to tell them that public service and government service is a place where you will find the leadership you need, the peers you need to work with, the uh, technology and innovative processes necessarily necessary to do their jobs, and the relationships with other entities that make all of that success possible. So in order to instigate that, the partnership developed uh, last year the roadmap for renewing our federal government. This is our big picture vision of what government needs to do in order to live up to its charge of responding to crises that no one else can respond to, serving every American, not just the average American, and reaching those who are most in the marginalized parts of society, being the entity that can prepare for and think through what happens next in this country when it comes to climate change, pandemics, security threats, and other challenges. And that's not a small body of work, but I'll just mention a couple of the things that are a part of this roadmap and what are guiding our work at the partnership right now. First category around leadership and stewardship. This is what whether or not they realize it or not, this is what the American people are looking to from their government, leadership in the face of a crisis, leadership when there's not a crisis motivating them. This requires reforms in our political appointments process. We have too many political appointees and it takes too long to get them in place. It requires reforms in how we hold accountable leaders, whether they are career or political officials. And it requires reforms in how we invest in those leaders and how we think through the overall profile of their careers over time. Second big bucket of work is obviously around the federal workforce itself. How do we recruit, retain, grow, and manage the federal workforce in a way that best meets the challenges of this country? We could spend an entire podcast talking about the problems with USA Jobs, but it's not just that. Once you get people in place, uh, making sure that you're creating careers for them that are worthwhile, that they see a path forward for them in the federal government that is going to be their best contribution to society and not just the one that they happen to land that day, that they have professional development opportunities and that they uh, are able to find permeability and serve within government, but also in the private sector and come back again one day. Next category related to that is creating a government that is able to invest in innovation and technology modernization. There was an incredible meme that went around a couple of weeks ago around how 
the Department of Defense, they may be investing in AI and robot, but they really just need people to fix their printers. We need technology modernization and digitalization in government, not just to improve the federal working experience, but also to make sure that uh, federal workers are able to connect with and hear from the American people on a rapid basis. And finally, we need better relationships and collaboration in government. There is no challenge that we face as a society that government can do by itself. It needs to be able to work with state and local actors, the private sector, philanthropy, and international partners in a way that is not starting from scratch every single time we face a new crisis, whether it be sharing information, arranging best practices, coming up with task forces and command and control relationships, or just understanding who's investing what and what's the best way to do it. All of these things are we tend to start over again in government whenever there's a new thing, whether it be the pandemic or the infrastructure act or whatever. We'd like to create better mechanisms and invest in those and have them be sustainable over time. Now, this is going to be work that's going to take a generation to work through, but it's not something that we should start, we should put off in the moment. We should make sure that the Biden administration and others are pay paying attention to this. And so much of the president's management agenda absolutely is, but it requires the dedication of the folks at the top, but also people like us to keep kind of ringing again, like we need to uh, invest in this and give it the energy and attention it requires. So just a couple things, right? Yeah, it's not, this will be easy. Uh, no, it's not easy. And it's often the stuff, this is the, the boring stuff. This is the stuff that Jason, you and Rachel and Jordan and I, we deeply care about, but it's not the sexy thing that's gonna end up on the news. But in the absence of that, a lot more things are gonna end up on the news with a bad story if we don't invest in these things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that's all the more reason that telling these stories, making this stuff real, helping with the plan if there wasn't one out there already, um, so that policymakers, particularly in Congress, um, can help carry us to the place that we need to be um, is really critical. Um, but I do think that on, you know, facing this huge challenge, breaking it down into these bite-sized pieces has got to be the way to go um, and tackling some of these initiatives. And, and I know that you all refreshed uh, a resource site recently um, um, for folks who are looking at government careers. Rachel, can you tell us about that resource? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a resource that I wish I had when I was in high school and in college. Um, it is geared for job seekers for the federal government and maybe even those who didn't know they wanted a career in the federal service. It talks about everything from what does it mean to work in the federal government? What career could you possibly have? And the answer to that is basically any career. Again, something I wish that I knew. And there's this, you know, perception, perhaps also reality in a lot of cases that it's really hard and time consuming to get a job in the federal government. And so the GoGov site, it's gogovernment.org, it has resources to walk job applicants through what to expect, what are the benefits you can get, how do you put together a federal resume, which many people know is not necessarily the same as your one to two page um, private industry resume. It gives information on background uh, checks, security clearance, what happens when you're interviewing for a federal job, what happens after you apply. So it really tries to take the mystery out of it so that you know what to expect. There's also resources about different agencies opportunities that you might not have even known existed. There's resources for veterans, people with disabilities, resources for university career development professionals, because as much as the partnership would love to walk through this process with every student, um, you know, we, we absolutely can't reach everyone, right? So we're trying to be this force for good and have this force multiplier effect so that we can help federal agencies, help institutions of higher learning, help students, job seekers at other levels really break into the to public service because that's that's the goal here. Awesome. Thanks, Rachel, for highlighting that that GoGov resource and, and those tools that you're putting out there both for, for students and folks in their universities. And then you know with all of these things that you're putting together, Jordan, I want to pull you in on the comm side, like, you know, how are you getting this information out there to folks? Like, where's the best place for, for, for folks to, to find this information? And are you seeing uh, differences in the uptake out there in the, in the public based on what platform you might be posting on? And, and is that part of, part of 
how you think about getting this information out into the right people's hands at the right time? Yeah, great question. So I think we, like most organizations, are trying to be multi-platform in how we reach people, and we're active on all the socials. You can find us at Public Service on Twitter. You can find us on LinkedIn. We're finding that LinkedIn is one of the um, platforms where we see the most engagement. We're doing a lot of our events on LinkedIn now, so it's a great opportunity for folks to engage with the content that we offer as a partnership. Um, and then you can visit any one of our many websites, servicetoamericanmedals.org, if you want to learn about the SAMIs, ourpublicservice.org, if you want to learn about us as an organization. And then, as Rachel said, gogovernment.org, if you want to learn uh, more about how to pursue your own career in the federal government. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jordan. Well, we've got a few few minutes here to to wrap up. And I just, what might we not have covered? What do you guys want to leave our audience with? Uh, uh, some parting thoughts kind of as we've covered a ton of ground here today in our public service recognition week show and i'm so appreciative to uh so lauren rachel and jordan for joining us but you know again just curious is there something we missed something that you wanted to say to leave with our audience uh before we close that fed talk here today i'll make one more plug and then i'll turn it to lauren and rachel um i encourage everybody to check out again service to americamedals.org if you want to be inspired uh, by what public servants are doing. You can read a profile of each of our 30 SAMIs nominees this year, and you can vote yourselves too. You can click on the People's Choice button on the upper right-hand corner of that website, cast your vote once a day for the stories that really inspire and connect with you um, and help us recognize somebody who um, has done really outstanding work. We've got more than 3,000 votes so far in the first 48 hours, so really, really excited uh, about the, the recognition that we're getting uh, to these federal employees so far. Read the service to america medals nominee finalists um and winners from this year and the last few years they're incredible stories they're things that you didn't realize that were going on that made a huge difference in your life uh, and hear more about many of those finalists and winners on the profiles in public service podcast because again these folks are incredible storytellers so humble and do a great job of connecting their work to what to things that impact all of us and finally go out and say thank you to a public servant. You know a lot of them, whether you realize that or not, do it on Twitter, on LinkedIn, in person, with cookies, whatever makes sense for you. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for being here. And Rachel, last um, I'll add, you know, for those job seekers out there, don't just take it from us. Um, on the gogovernment.org website, there are a few videos, first-person accounts of um, younger generation federal servants who are describing their own journey. So I think it's really great to be able to hear from them firsthand. Um, and as Lauren said, thank a public servant. There are more of them out there than you know. And if you're outside the DC area, you will find even more. Awesome. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, echo my thank you to our audience, our listeners, all those out there that show up every day uh, for their fellow citizens, whether you're working for the federal government, state, local, what have you. Um, uh, we're here for you on this program. Groups like the Partnership for Public Service are out there working every day to help you do your jobs. I'm really appreciative to Lauren, Rachel, and Jordan for joining us here on this great discussion here on Fed Talk today. Um, that's all the time we've got for our discussion. I want to remind our audience that Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Uh, have a wonderful conclusion to Public Service Recognition Week. And have a great rest of the day and weekend. <laughs>